listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter 4. The ushers also have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, take a Bible that, uh, so you can follow along with what we will be looking at here in God's Word today. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading at verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has a gift, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Last Sunday, as the service ended, I took off a little early to uh, get on the airplane and to fly to Ontario. And it was a beautiful day for flying. The beautiful mountains, Rocky Mountains, were replaced by the prairies, which were then replaced by darkness. And as I flew into Toronto, it was literally dark, um, it, it, the time of day, not just the culture, I guess you could say, in, in Ontario. But um, I got in the car, made a few wrong turns off the freeway, my fault, my mistake, and, and headed 200 kilometers north of Toronto near Huntsville in the Muskoka area. And uh, we had to go through a terrible snowstorm where there was a part where I was like, do I turn this car around and find a hotel somewhere? But thankfully, I came, uh, uh, some, some graders were ahead of us and, and snow plows, and they, they kind of cleared away. And this was just before I arrived at the cottage, the nice little roads that I got to drive on. It was very beautiful, but thankful for all-wheel drive rental cars. And uh, there I uh, was with the elders from Ho- Harvest Oakville, our sending church, as well as Jason Matta, who is the uh, pastor of Toronto West, one of their plants, uh, church plants that, that launched it's me three years ago. And then on the left-hand side there, you'll see the guy without hair. Um, actually, Jason Matt is on the right-hand side without hair. And uh, the other guy without hair on the left-hand side is Ray Kaprowski. And I kind of said, boy, I don't feel like a, a proper church plant guy because I have hair. Because even Kevin Weeks, who wasn't there, who planted Harvest Brantford, doesn't have hair. And so uh, I, I'm not sure why my hair has remained. I'm thankful it has. Um, but Ray is the pastor of Toronto West, or not Toronto West, Harvest Ottawa, that uh, Lord willing will launch this fall. So, so there we were for a number of days. It was so encouraging to be with these men, to see their passionate love for Jesus, um, and just to see how they love the church of Jesus Christ. And we spent time, there's a lot of prayer, a lot of discussions, planning, very long day Monday and into the day Tuesday of, of prayer, discussions, planning, looking ahead. By Wednesday night, I was back in Kelowna, and it is good to be home. And, uh, and so, just so privileged to be able to go and be a part of this, and to be part of what I believe is a special movement of God with Harvest Bible chapels here in Canada. Especially the movement of what God is doing in Canada is very special. Where egos and personalities and agendas are constantly being put aside and the theme of, of just more and more prayer and, and the theme of the prayer is, Lord, would you increase in our lives? Would you increase our faith? But do that with more humility. 
more dependency, more brokenness. Use us, Lord, but dethrone us, Lord. What a powerful prayer that is. Because we want to be used and we also want to be on the throne. But Lord, would you use us, but would you also dethrone us? And then one of the prayers that one of the guys prayed that, that uh, made an impact is I heard him lift his heart towards the Lord. And he said, Lord, would we love, would we be people, would we be leaders, would we be followers of yours that would love to be forgotten? So that you would be everything to us. That we're not working for the praise of man. We're not looking for recognition from man, but that it would be, you would mean everything that we keep running to you. James 4, 6, so clear. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We want grace in our lives. It's through humility and seeking him in that. And it's into hearts like this and, 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 and churches that pray and live lives like that that God shows up in power. It's not about the next marketing campaign. It is about humility and what God can do as we seek him and desire to live lives of purity, of holiness as we are just singing. And clearly, uh, it's so very clear as I meet with these leaders and, and in the room with them that it's not the harvest banner that gets raised. It is the gospel banner. It is Jesus Christ. And I'm just so blessed to be part of a fellowship like this with, with uh, the pillars that we, we get to live out and, and, and sharpen ourselves on uh, that we see here as a reminder to us that we get to, to just dig into in a deeper way in our lives and, and just doing it with a, just, just simplicity and clarity and urgency in all that we do. And I believe even here in our midst at Harvest Kelowna that God is doing something special with unity and the love and the sacrifice and the commitment that we see that in the 15 months that that since we've launched that we've seen the slow and the steady growth of what God has been doing but more exciting than that to me is seeing a growing hunger for the word of God a desire to seek God in prayer as in absolute dependency on him are you coming Tuesday night because if we believe that God can change things through prayer and that God inhabits the prayers of our people we should pray and we should show up and, and I know sometimes scheduling can, can be changed, sometimes they cannot be changed, but encourage you to come. Jesus said to his, his disciples, can you not pray one hour? We're, we're gathering together for one hour, worship and prayer and just, just believing God to do great things. How desperate the church of Jesus Christ around the world, but especially here in Canada, needs revival. Would you agree with that? Amen. And, and, and how does that happen? Revivals don't get wished down from heaven, they get prayed down. And as God's people pray, things happen. And, and I read this week, look at this graph that I came across this week that, that one of the other pastors um, shared. And, and it's just alarming. This is church attendance in Canada. And, and you can't maybe see some of the numbers, or maybe you can. 1946, about 67% of Canadians went to church. Any kind of church, they went to church. That's two-thirds of Canadians were found in church on a weekly basis. Now, 2015, that has slipped to just right under 9%. That's all faiths. That's not just evangelical. That's all faiths. 9% uh, of Canadians are found in church on a weekly basis. Look at the gradual decline that has happened, and, and, and it, it's sad to see what is going on here. People are finding church isn't relevant. They're not finding that it's real. And so why go? Why be a part of this? And, and, and we see this shift, and, and, and we see how, how this has happened as churches have gotten off course. How the focus in so many of our churches has shifted away from the authority and the power of God's word. 
And today we are seeing God's word being watered down and, and becoming just a, a mere reference guide to, to our lives and, and just something we talk about, but then they want to talk about our thoughts, our feelings, what you think, what this author says. We are to preach the gospel. Instead, we are hearing in our pulpits, in our land, and around the world, but especially here in North America, a, a, a gospel light message. Make you feel good. And, and, and as 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, has a form of godliness, but no power. It sounds good, it preaches well. Pray this simple prayer, you're in. You're gonna live your best life now. You'll go to heaven and it's candy-coated gospel. And that you are awesome and, and that uh, you can, it, it's a lot of self-help, feel-good kind of preaching that, that is tickling the ears but, but there's no power, no lasting power in that. There's no call to holiness and repentance and God's word is full of that. That we are to do that, that we are to be people pursuing holiness in, in our lives. We take Bible verses out of context to, to tickle itchy ears as 2 Timothy 4 talks about. And the object of our faith is no longer Christ or it's no longer the word of God. It's me, my agenda, my kingdom, my wealth, my happiness rather than Christ. Rather than holiness, it's our happiness. And this is so wrong and this is the wrong focus and, and this is why we pray, this is why we get back to it, but we also live lives transformed. If we are being transformed, we are to, to share that and to live that here as a church. All of this, what I've talked about, can preach. It's, it, it's, it's very, very attractional. It, it makes people walk out of church feeling good and it can build a crowd, but oftentimes what you end up seeing is that the back door is just as large as the front door. Look at the statistics. It hasn't been working as we've watered down the gospel, as we've watered down God's word as being our authority. What's happening in our nation, we see the decline, not just in society. I just read yesterday, just read in one of our provinces that, that the edict is coming down to the educators and, and that, that no longer are you to refer to a student as a him or a her, a boy or a girl. You refer to them as students, as pupils, I guess, maybe, probably something wrong with that because eyes may take offense to that you know and so so I mean you, you just all of these different kind of things that even parents you're not to call them your daddy or your mommy but your parent your guardian your caregiver don't want to offend and we've become so crazy in in so many of these different things and 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 we end up just seeing that our nation is falling apart and the church is declining what are we going to do about it God has called us to pray to seek him and that is what is so exciting that as you see in pockets in our land, when you see congregations, when you see people have a growing hunger for the word of God as the authority in our lives, not just a nice little reference book, and a desire to seek God in prayer in absolute dependency that God shows up and that God does the miraculous. And so this is why we are starting the new year in this series, Getting Real, Authentic Living in a Fake World. And it's not just about going through, you know, just, we're not talking about things that is just about behavior modification. It's about being transformed from the inside out, getting real about the word of God as the foundation, getting real about prayer, not as a little checklist that we think we ought to do, not about just being bored in prayer, but communing with our Heavenly Father. And so today we're going to talk about getting real about working for Christ. These are more than just disciplines. This is life. This is the life that God calls us to live out. And, and when a person 
ends up, is truly saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and he lives, takes up residence in our lives and there's a new nature. He brings a new nature into us. He deposits his nature in us and that nature brings new desires, new wants. And there's a hunger and a desire to fellowship with God's people. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death into life because when we have a love for our brothers, there is an unusual love that is deposited by the Holy Spirit to be in fellowship, to be in relationship with other believers. We know that the gospel is taking hold in our lives when we love others. There's a hunger for the word of God, which was once boring and just a reference book. We see is life and it's living and it's active. There's a longing within us. There's a desire. And this can happen to a six or a seven-year-old as they receive Christ. It can happen to a 67-year-old when they receive Christ. There's a deposit towards moving us towards personal holiness, away from sin and towards personal holiness and, 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 and you say, but it's a tough go. Yes, it is. We get discouraged. We get distracted. The devil comes and, 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 and tempts us in different ways. And that, but that is why we need to keep pressing on. And that is why we have one another. That is why we have the body of Christ to encourage, to challenge, to, to remind, to at times rebuke us so that we continue to keep going and growing this deposit that is within us so that we become mature, we become complete, that, that we become uh, growing more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And if what I mentioned here today about a growing desire to be in God's word, to be in prayer, a desire towards holiness, a, a desire towards being in community and relationship with other believers, if, if there's no movement of that sort in your life, Check your life. You say, well, I prayed a prayer. Doesn't matter. What is the fruit? What is really going on? Take stock and examine. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Notice it doesn't say, if some are in Christ, he is, they are a new creation. It says, if anyone is in Christ, the, the new has come alive and, and the old life we're wanting to leave and we're wanting to, to press towards this. And as I said, at times we get discouraged and at times we get distracted, but that is why we need to keep coming back to the word of God. That is why we are in community with one another. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that was uh, written by Peter and it's just loaded with powerful truths that virtually summarize how we can live authentic lives in a broken world. Authentic lives in a fake world. These passages here today, they teach us about our working for Christ and, and what this looks like. Peter, when he was writing this, was writing it in, in some very evil, dark, difficult days of persecution for believers. And instead of saying, head for the hills, you know what, circle the wagons, go live in a cave somewhere, you know, instead he's saying, press in, trust God, keep going, don't give up. Yes, the days are evil, but persevere. And so... First Peter is written in this way even for us, even as we look around our world today. Doesn't your heart just grieve for Friday afternoon when you start hearing the news about the school shooting in Saskatchewan? And you just think, this is just unbelievable how these things happen and, and, and just what is going on in our world. And we see dark and difficult days, but folks, these are days of opportunity. Days of great opportunity like we've never had before. Yes, 
There's, there's evil, there's a lot going on, but the fields are white unto harvest. There's opportunity because people are looking, they're searching, they're looking for what's real, they're looking what's for, for, for what is real and authentic. And that is vital why we're talking about being real about God's word, being real in our prayer life, and today getting real about our work for Christ. And the thing that we see here in this passage, first of all, starting in verse seven, fully engaged believers, authentic, faith-filled believers in Christ work with a sense of urgency. Fully engaged believers, we work with a sense of urgency. Look at in verse um, seven, the first part, Peter says, the end of all things as it is at hand. What he's talking about is not the end of the world per se. He's talking about the return of Christ, the end of this one era and the start of the next. And he's saying to us here, live with expectancy. Be ready. Live with some urgency that the nearness of, of Christ's return is coming. Yes, it's been 2,000 years since he's written this, and every generation since that time, since Christ ascended up into heaven, has been living and, and, and told to live with this expectancy. When is Christ gonna return? Well, I could get out my charts and all graphs and all these different things. That's not what Peter's concerned about. He's saying, come on, live with some urgency in your life. Acts 1, 7, None of us fully know when Christ will return. Jesus' own words in Acts 1.7, he says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But all I know is today, we're one day closer. And this old world, it doesn't seem like it has much left to it. We're getting closer. These are days of urgency. These are days where we have to take stock, where we've got to get after it. This is a reminder, Peter's telling us, we are not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. Be ready. Sense of urgency. Urgency and not complacency in our lives, as well as for those around us. Remember that graph we looked at? You think about it. Today, when you go to Costco for your cheap hot dog and, and, and your fry meal, or, or, or you go and, and, and you go to the grocery store this next week, you go to coffee shops to know that the vast majority, I mean, the vast majority, 90% plus, who knows, are going to a Christless eternity in hell forever. And we've been put on a mission this is serious business. We are to work with a sense of urgency. The other day, just for the fun of it, I don't know, call me sick, call me crazy, I don't know. I went and I started looking at obituaries. I wanted to see who died in the Saskatoon area recently, who died in the Regina area. Maybe I know some of those people having spent time in there. Who died in the Edmonton area? Big city, didn't know a lot there. Who died in Kelowna? Went on Castanet, looked at their obituaries, and it's just like, oh my, a lot of people died recently. You know what? Tomorrow's a new edition. There's gonna be more. And it keeps going. We are to live with the sense of urgency that people around us are perishing without Christ. Remember that song? I mean, in the 80s and into the 90s, Steve Green, I mean, he was kind of the rocking one, you know, if you grew up in church, you know, and, and he would sing that song and then it was sung in churches all the time, people need the Lord. Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Part of the problem is we're so concerned about ourselves, we don't care about those around us anymore. We've become so, I mean, self-absorbed. I mean, how, I mean, 
selfies. How, my phone automatically now has a section in the photos that automatically takes photos that I've taken that they think are selfies. I don't really like taking a lot of selfies. Little wonder why. You know, and, and it, you know, but it automatically just puts it into a category. We are so self-absorbed. Even our phones are able to take and, and recognize when we are being self-centered and taking pictures of ourselves so we can share it with all of our friends. You know, it's just amazing how self-centered and and we need to get back to that realization that people around us, the sense of urgency in what we are doing. Fully engaged believers work for Christ with the sense of urgency. One of the things that I enjoyed about being at the elder retreat with the elders in, in, uh, from our sending church is the serious discussions about what will they do in Oakville is, as uh, just I think it was about three, four years ago, they moved into a new facility. They're running three services on a weekend. They're all full. Now they're looking at adding a fourth service, but they're saying, what do we do beyond that? How can we continue to keep going? And, and, and there's this sense of urgency, and yet they're, they're looking at a, a, a phase two to their facility, and yet they're waiting on God, and they're exploring all the options, and, 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 and I see the urgency, and yet they're not gonna rush it either. They're calling this week, they're gonna call their people to pray. They're gonna call people to seek God and, and to, to see what God is laying upon their hearts and what they are to do. But there's urgency. They're like, we gotta get on this. We gotta get, get going. Second of all, fully engaged believers work for Christ pursuing personal holiness. Look at the last part of verse seven. It says, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. What, what is the thing that will halt our prayers faster than a snowstorm in New York City? <laughs> As they're suffering with some of that even right now. What is the one thing that will halt our prayers? Any answers? Three-letter word, sin. Our sin will halt our prayers. Sin in our lives regarding iniquity in our heart, as Psalm 66, 18 says, if I cherish iniquity in, in, in my heart, my prayer, the Lord won't hear my prayers. They'll go to the ceiling and they'll bounce back and around and, and then they'll be gone. Peter is saying, so that your prayers are not hindered, be self-controlled, be sober-minded. Minded. Here's a call towards personal holiness. Pursue holiness in your life turning away from the things that will lead you astray, that will get your affections on other things. That's why Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. God's word guides the mind. It protects the mind. It helps us to understand how we are to think and how we are to process what is going on around us. That means that every day we need to be in the word of God, not as that checklist, but seeing it as something that is changing, that is, is correcting us, that is teaching us. That is why meditating on the word of God, absorbing it into our lives so that we can think God's thoughts, we can, can act in the way that God would want us to act. The world today tells us um, to, to think differently than how God's word tells us how we are to think. In fact, common thing in the school system now and, and infiltrating all different kinds of schools is, is a word called mindfulness, which is just a meditation exercise where they want students and they say that it is the, the new trend, just like in the 1940s and 50s when you would see somebody jogging, you would see them jogging down the street and think, oh, who's chasing them? What's going on? The, the, then people discovered that jogging is, is good for your health and so we are obsessed with, with, with jogging, with exercise, with this sort of thing. They're saying that in, in the coming years that, that whoo, we're gonna be so obsessed with mindfulness, which is an emptying of your mind so that you can become one, I guess, and, and so I'm gonna 
be a little, little cynical here, but empty yourself of all of this stuff. And it's going to be just as common, and as I saw one little thing on it, it says just as common as how you brush your teeth in the morning, how you take your prescription medication from your doctor, and then you're going to spend time doing these mindfulness exercises. God's word calls us to fill our minds, not empty our minds. To fill our minds with the word of God. Because then as we are being filled with the word of God, it changes how we pray. It changes, there's, there's a sweet communion that happens. Our, our prayer lives become more effective. Then comes the power in our lives and we're pursuing personal holiness. That's clearing the vertical relationship. Next, let's take a look here. Fully engaged believers work for Christ with a commitment to God's people. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You see, as we strengthen, first of all, with a sense of urgency, we're pursuing holiness, we're, 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 we're dealing with the vertical relationship between us and God. Out from that vertical relationship flows the horizontal relationships. It's, it's with minds that are being transformed, people who are pursuing the Lord in sweet communion, in prayer, in experiencing God in a powerful way, then we are able to, to live it out. So oftentimes in our churches, even today, it's a focus on the horizontal and the hope that the horizontals, you do all these kind deeds and social justice and all these kind of things, that's gonna get you in proper connection with God. That's the reverse. We are to be in right relationship. We are to work on the vertical. And as we work on the vertical, the horizontal flows in the way that he calls us to here in the word. Look at the progression here in his word. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Do you love the body of Christ? Are you committed to loving, to fellowshipping with God's people? Earnestly, he says. Not just, yeah, you know, and it's convenient, you know. And are you committed? Or do you make excuses? What happens in any relationship, however, and this is the thing that rips churches apart, is that eventually what happens in any relationship, in a family, in work, friendship, whatever, eventually what's going to happen is I am going to rub you the wrong way, and you are going to rub me the wrong way. It's just going to happen. I know, I mean, hard to believe that loving, fun, just easygoing Meldon could ever rub anyone the wrong way. Right, Charlotte? Right, Nate? Right, Clarice? Yeah, no, you know, I mean, it's, I've, I will do that. But love and an earnest commitment to love covers a multitude of sins. It means that I'm going to love you so much, I will forgive. You're going to love me so much that, that you will forgive. It doesn't mean, yes, we need to confront. God's word talks about how we deal with a brother or sister that has sinned against us, that is wronged against us. It doesn't mean shoving it under the carpet. But first of all, we bring it under the blood of Christ. And we go in his power, his strength, with an earnest love for one another. Do you earnestly love God's people? Showing hospitality, open up, opening up your lives, your homes, your pocketbook, without grumbling. This is sharing your life with others. A commitment to, to meeting, to greeting, to extending your hand in, in fellowship, in, in getting to know others 
in here, in the lobby, or wherever you may go, that, that you are loving God's people. This is a, and a love towards God's people. Do you love the people of God? This is practical Christianity. No one stands alone, and yet in so many churches, so many of God's people are lonely. We are to pursue one another. And so don't sit there and say, yeah, people are supposed to pursue me. No, you are to pursue others in love. Our true love for Christ is revealed in how we love those around us, how we love the, the body of Christ. Next, we see fully engaged believers work for Christ with the gifts and the strength that God supplies. It says, as each one of us received a gift, this is verse 10, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Every believer in Christ has been given a spiritual gift. God's word is very clear. We'll touch on this next week at Harvest Essentials. If you haven't attended Harvest Essentials, come. Even if you haven't attended Party with the Pastor yet, come. Come next Saturday as we, we talk further about this. This is where our faith gets put into action. This is an action that we are called to be on mission for God. This is a call to action and to mission. We all come from different spheres of influence, different backgrounds. Each week we all inhabit different parts of this region from Peachland to Vernon and Black Mountain to Glenmore to East Kelowna to West Kelowna, wherever it is, we have all of these different places where we frequent, where we work, where we go to school, clubs, organizations, groups that we're a part of, and we are sent out on mission to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And it's all a different different missions that, that were different locations, but it's one mission united, and that is Christ. To share, to show people the love of Christ. But we have also been called, God's word is very clear on this, we've been called together locally as a local church. And here together we are interwoven together. We are interwoven as God's people. God has chosen to work through the body of Christ. Especially here in the New Testament era, we see God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. And yet we see that the work that God has called us to do here, his work is done by you and me. Loving, caring, showing, sharing the love of Christ. God has chosen to work through his body, which is the church. And he is the head. And we are the body. And where I, and when I fail to do my part as the member of the body of Christ, and where you fail to do your part, the entire body is affected. The entire body suffers. You see, we all have different spiritual giftings. We all have different abilities that God has given us with a heart of humility that we are to serve. And each one is different. I mean, just even if you go into a paint store and you take a look at all the samples, you think, oh, I just want a basic white, you know, to paint my walls. Oh my, there are all kinds of different shades of white. I guess there's all the shades of gray, so you know what, there's all the shades of white, and it's just, there's more than 50. It's crazy, you know, I mean, just how much is out there. And that's the diversity within the body of Christ. That we're all different, even though, but we're all interwoven together. Individually, we are members of one another. And when one part hurts, we all hurt. 
Yesterday, I got so excited there were deer in our backyard and I thought I needed to do something about it. I closed the door on my foot. I don't know how it happened. Squeezed my little baby toes. Oh boy, did that hurt. When one part of the body hurts, oh, the rest of the body hurts. And, uh, and, and I let my, my family know just how much that crazy door hurt. In fact, today, my little toes are still sore. Oh, boo. I, I know there's going to be great sympathy from you because you're such loving people. You know, and it, but, but when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. Just like last week, being, being able to take time to pray for, for the weans and, and, and just the concern over the developing head of little cute little Ezra and, and just a concern there, our hearts go out to them. We pray for them. We rejoice. Good news. Amen. We praise the Lord for that. Just hearing yesterday, another family in the church comes home from a little birthday party in the afternoon, finds out their house was broken into. And, and, and the thieves have gone through and, and slashed things and made kind of some messes and different things. Didn't take an awful lot. And, and right now, it's the Bankowski family. Uh, Thomas is in Germany because his grandfather is, is very close to death. And so mom, Chrissy, and the two kids are there. These kids are fearful. What do we do? We pray. We see, well, how can we help? What can we do? When one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And we have to be in relationship with one another in order to know that and to receive that and to give that. See, folks, if I am going to be all that God would have me to be, I need you. And if you are going to be all that God would have you to be, you need me. We're interwoven together. Each person doing their part. And where we cease to understand this and cease to live this, we paralyze and we handicap the body. Individually, we are members of one another. And when one part hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we can all rejoice. We need one another interwoven. You need me to do certain things. And you know what you need me to do? You need, not preach, first and foremost. You need me to care for my own soul. To spend time in the word of God and in prayer, seeking and hearing from God, nourishing my soul daily. That's what you need me to do, first and foremost. You know what you need me to do? Love my wife and my children. Scripture is very clear in Titus and Timothy that if I do not do this part well, I am unfit for this work. You need to pray for me in that. I am not a perfect husband. I am not a perfect father. You need me to submit in an honorable way to the elders in our church, to those that are over us. And it's not this kind of submission that we are used to seeing in our world. Submission that we say, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll submit to the authority. I'll, yeah. And it's this, I, I, yes, sir, I'll do what you say. And then you turn around and what a bonehead. Can't believe that person. You know? and, and we're not just saying that to ourselves, even though we're saying it to ourselves, but we're saying it to other people. That's not honoring leadership. That is not submitting. The, the submission that you need me to do is, is one where I submit and I honor and I pray for and I respect my leaders as God has appointed them over me. That's what you need me to do even before I start preaching. You need me to watch my life and my doctrine closely and to have those around me who can speak into my life in that way. That's what you need me to do. I need you to do your part. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a part in the body of Christ. Everyone has something to con contribute. Be reliable, be dependable, be committed. 
And when this kind of thing is happening, when you're doing your part and I'm doing my part, a church flourishes. The gospel flourishes. And when it doesn't, it suffers. And over the last number of decades, we have seen a shift that has moved so unbiblical to in, within the church where we have turned church more into a spectator sport. We come in, we sit down, we, we listen, we go out and, and we criticize. Or we, 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 not necessarily, we critique. Maybe it's not, you know, in a positive way, uh, oftentimes in a negative way. We, I mean, it, it's the sphere of entertainment that we're living in. Last night, we got tickets to the Rockets game, thanks Thanks because Nate is a faithful Capital News carrier and so they, they gave him four tickets and so we went as a family and, and, and we went, we sat down, we ate some popcorn, we uh, drank uh, some pop, um, got a little irritated because the guy behind us was talking rather loud and was a little crude a, a number of times and, and kind of was irritating me and uh, irritating my family too, I'm sure, but irritating me. And, and then I get my, my seven up and, and, uh, you know, and I look at it and right away it's like, Clarice, you're drinking it all. What's going on? She goes, I didn't drink it all. Well, yeah, it's gone. And you look and it's all full of ice, like the, the $4 for this little container of, of pop and it's three quarters filled with ice. Like how wrong is that? And so a little, little ticked off about that, you know, and, and, and so, you know, but the rocket one so it was all good right you know and we walked out hey that was a good night sad thing is we come into a room like this and we watch the same thing we're entertained how is the popcorn how is the pop how is the seats you know and and we've brought this same kind of mentality within the church you know and 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 instead of being a part of of it we, we've turned in, into this spectator sport and then we look around and say hey what's the latest what's the newest show in town i want to be a part of that and we, we shift allegiances in that way. It can be so da damaging to, to the work that God calls us to do. And the sad thing, Jesus, we have to realize Jesus did not die on the cross. He did not shed his blood so that we can come one day a week for an hour and a half and sit down and be entertained and to gather and worship and to listen to a sermon and say, oh, see you next week. No, he, he came for so much more than that. And Peter says here, use your gift. Use your spiritual gift, not to elevate yourself, but to serve others. You see, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I don't know what to do. What can I do? Tend to Harvest Essentials next week. We might be able to help you, but even beyond that, before that, serve. Look around, see what needs to be done. Read, see where there's different needs. Harvest kids. It's not childcare. That's equipping. That's teaching the next generation. And one of the things we do have, some of our workers who two, three, sometimes even four times a month are in Harvest Kids and aren't in here. We need others who are going to come alongside and say, hey, I'm in. I want to be a part of this. You say, I can't teach. How do you know you can't teach? But you don't have to start off teaching. There's many other different ways of just loving, caring, being with, with these kids. Setup team, ushering, greeters, all of these different things. Look, ask. See where there's a need. Roll up your sleeves. Be a part of it. We can all pray. We can all encourage. We can invite others out for a coffee, get to know them, have someone over for a meal, take them out for a meal. We live in such an age of discouragement. One of the ways that you can serve the body of Christ in a beautiful way is be a person of encouragement. When you're blessed, encourage when you're thankful for, for what people are doing, let them know. Find ways to, to speak, to, to write words of encouragement into, and give encouragement to others. You say, but, but, but I'm not gifted, I'm not qualified. 
be a servant, be available, be ready. You see, at the end of time, when we stand before God, when we stand before God in judgment, we're not going to hear, well done, good and faithful preacher. We're not gonna hear, well done, good and faithful greeter. Well done, great, good and faithful uh, harvest kids worker. Well done, good and faithful treasurer. We're not gonna hear all of that. What are we gonna hear? Well done, good and faithful. God is looking for servants. Well done, good and faithful servants. God is not looking solely for our ability. He's just, hey, here I am, send me. When we have an encounter, this is what we're gonna be worshiping and praying into on on Tuesday night, Isaiah 6. When Isaiah had a genuine encounter with God, his result was, here I am, God, send me. Because God God would say, who will go? And he says, here I am, pick me, pick me, I'll go. And when we have an encounter with God, when we are desiring his glory as we are worshiping him and he's changing and he's transforming us, it's like, pick me, pick me. Here I am, I'm ready. And this can happen, look at the story of Samuel, little boy in the temple. God comes to him and he thinks it's Eli, kind of a cute little story, what goes on there, but in the end he says, here I am. He said, speak Lord, for your servant hears. Are you hearing? Are you listening? God is not looking for intelligence. You say, I don't know a lot. He's not looking for intelligence. He knows all things, right? But study as a worker approved. Get into the word of God. And, and as you study God's word, you grow in that and you grow in your knowledge and you can share that. You say, but I can't, I can't. I say, oh, of course you can't. He says, do it in the strength that God supplies. Not in our own strength. Look for an area. Look for an area of interest. Look for an area just where you can be a servant. And oftentimes that is where your gift, the spiritual gift that you have can be used or will be used or will be, be, be shaped and grown in and through that experience. And lastly, fully engaged believers work for Christ, all for the glory of God. Look at the last part here, verse 11. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We don't do this for our glory. We do it for his. We don't do this in our own power, in our own strength. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything on your own of value that will last or that will stand. You do it all apart from him. It's nothing. And we do it all for the glory of God. You know, there's times where I've had conversations with people here in our church and, 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 and uh, out east at our sending church and, and just said, how do we get the word out about what God is doing here in Harvest Cologne and the kind of church that we are and, and, and different things? You know, advertising campaign or social media or, or how do we spread the word? You know what the best advertising is? You and me living our lives, living out this passage of God's word, authentic, humble, not perfect, but progressing. Progressing in humility, progressing in our hearts of service. And when we start living out these truths with a sense of urgency, pursuing personal holiness, a commitment to love God's people, loving one another, using the gifts, the strengths, and we go out on mission into the, into the mission field where God has called us to this week, and this change, this transformation is happening, you say, well, you know, Pastor, I... I prefer to be a silent witness. I'm just going to go there and I'm just going to live a good life and, you know, and, and, and just 
Just show the love of Jesus in a silent witness. Open your mouth! Yes, in our actions and what we're doing, we are to, 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 to be that witness for Christ, but we are to use words. You know, hear that statement? Preach the word of God always and sometimes, if necessary, use words. No, use words. Use words that will uplift, that will encourage. Use words that will point people to Jesus Christ that you will be able to share with him what he is doing. How you are not perfect, how you don't have it all together, but God is changing and transforming you. And as they see that, they say, what is it? It's Jesus. Hey, come and be part of a family that meets at a theater. Come be a part of a family that now is a church office. That's pretty cool, but, but it's more than, than the facilities. It's come be part of a family that loves that cares for, that serves one another. And what's our motivation for all of this? Why, why do we do it? Heaven. No. That's not the reason. That's not the motivation. That's the reward. We're not doing this to, to, to gain something. We're doing this because of something, because of the glory of God. Because of all that Christ has done. That Jesus came into this world to live a sinless life, perfect life. That he suffered on the cross, that he died, and he rose in victory. Jesus just didn't die in the nice little kind of romantic way that we kind of see it now, portrayed in so many ways at the hands of some wicked Roman executioners. We need to understand the gospel that Jesus died. He was crushed by his own father. He was crushed and took the, the wrath of God upon himself. He became sin. God the Father turned away, not out of just, ooh, that's gross. He turned away because his son became sin, and God is so holy that he cannot look upon sin. And he turned away. He bore the wrath. Jesus bore the wrath that we deserve and as we understand that, as we bear the weight of that, as we grow in that knowledge and are in awe, that becomes the reason because he's changing it and he's, he's imparted his spirit into us and he's growing and, and transforming us little by little, little by little as we pursue him. Jesus is so much more than our forever friend. He is our savior. He is our Lord. And if we truly trust him as our savior, he is also then your Lord. We submit ourselves to him. We entrust ourselves to him. We cling to him as the one who died for us. And so we say, I give myself to you for your glory, not for mine. Use me, Lord. Use me. Use us. Do a work in us that will transform this region. Again, not for, for anyone's glory, but because of the glory of God.